Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using Grow CFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got Grow CFO's Head of Mentoring, Catherine Clark, with me. Hello, Catherine. Hi, Kevin. Hi, nice to see you. How are you? Very well. I'm thoroughly looking forward to this discussion today because we're talking about when and how to make the best decision for you or your organisation. And I think that's going to be all about start to take control of your life and your quality of life. I think it works very well as the third part, a series of podcasts where we've been looking at well-being We've been looking at techniques to beat burnout. We've been looking with uh, Susanna in the last episode about self-awareness and being really aware of what it is that gets in your own way. So I think this today, Catherine, talking about how to start taking control of your life and your quality of life is something that's, that's very, very relevant. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's um, for me, I mean, I'm mentoring a lot now and with many, you know, finance professionals and these sort of decision points in life are coming up very often at the moment. So I've actually been working through with a lot of the clients I work with um, to help them work out sort of where they are and what's best for their future path. A decision point in your life. Tell me more about what you would see as that decision point. Yeah, so really, it starts with how are you feeling? And you've really got to tune in and think to yourself, you know, am I feeling happy? Am I feeling content, fulfilled? You know, have the right challenge, the right opportunities? Or am I feeling more confused, maybe dissatisfied with where I am in life? It's tuning into those feelings and those emotions And actually recognising that if you're more in the confused and dissatisfied and and possibly unhappy state, then it's definitely worth looking at and exploring where you're at and what what needs to change. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And why be miserable when you can be happy? Exactly. And, And I would say the analogy is we look at often we have physical pain of some kind or some kind of physical symptom. And we wouldn't hesitate at that point to try and identify what's wrong. We wouldn't ignore it. We may go and, you know, go and see a doctor or get some help for it. You know, what you could describe as more mental pain. Often we ignore it and it really doesn't help us at all in our lives. And really those feelings, those emotions just show us what is and out is and isn't in alignment in our own lives. Yeah. So we talked a lot in the previous podcast about self-awareness with Susanna. I got Susanna's idea of, of self-awareness last time. So what, what signs would you be looking for to be self-aware of, Catherine? Well, I mean, those, those sort of states, those emotions, you know, it's, it's really sort of tuning in and thinking, what am I feeling at the moment? What is causing me to be stuck at this point? Something's not right. You know, you, you know, that inner feeling, we've all had it. I mean, you know, I've had it in my own career. You've got that inner feeling that just something isn't right. You feel out of balance. You know, maybe you've not, maybe that's as straightforward as you haven't got the right work-life balance. Life feels too hectic. It feels stressful. There's too much going on. You can't think clearly. You wonder why your perspective isn't maybe as broad as it used to be. You just don't feel that inner calmness. You know, maybe your values yeah. fell out of line. It, does it make sense? It just feels... How that makes that make total sense? I suppose that there is the old expression, Catherine, go with your gut. Yeah. We don't often take the time to sit back and, and it's about like listening to our subconscious mind. But, you know, often we are honestly our own best teacher. 
but we don't recognise that. Or let's be honest, a big problem at the moment is busyness in general, overwhelm. It comes through all the time. So in that state of mind, and with stress on top of that, you can't think clearly. You don't even have the ability to think wider or, or more clearly. So just being able to sit back and reflect. And often I would encourage, you know, sort of someone like a mentor can help you do that. They can help you sit back, reflect, have that space to think through what are the possible pathways ahead to deal with how you're feeling at that time and just help you explore those feelings. There's a lovely saying, you know, when when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You know, when I talk about the word mentor, it can be professional mentoring, but it can also be a very, really good friend, someone who really, you know, or family, but someone who really, really supports your own learning and development. One of the things that I've learned about mentoring over the years, Catherine, is there's, there's no one single person to give you advice, depending what it is you're dealing with. There are a number of different people I know. I think having a conversation with your partner. That can be something that's really useful. Maybe that doesn't work in the professional sense. So professional mentor, looking at what's going on at work, how work might be interfering with personal, how to move forward through a problem that's really holding you back, things like that. But friends can help. That I've got a little mental board of directors in my head. And they're all sorts of people that that have influenced me over time. And one of the things that I'll frequently do, if I'm in a situation I don't like, I'll mentally and imagine one of those individuals. And it can be a different one for different things. I'd say, what would my Uncle George have done in this situation? What would my dad have done in this situation? Things like that. And I think that as well as, men- as, as, well as a physical mentor can be incredibly useful. No, I don't disagree at all, I think. But just, you know, know who those resources are around you. But not everyone is lucky enough to have that sort of possibly unbiased view. You know, you've got to look for the right people who really back you, you know, really support you in what you're trying to achieve and can actually see it from a a fairly independent point of view. So I completely encourage, you know, seeking support on any choices that you're making quite widely. But I'd also given a little air of caution that if you ask too many people sometimes, you can get even more confused. (laughs) Um, You get too many different answers. I think if you've got an issue, you look to the person who is most likely to give you help. Yeah, someone who gives you help, but actually can support you in that wider sense to yeah. actually get you to see all possible opportunities. I suppose one thing that springs to mind here when we're thinking professional mentoring, it emphasises yet again that the, the chemistry between mentee and mentor has to be right, which I guess in Grow CFO is why we don't just have one or two mentors. We have a team of seven or eight people. So you've got a good choice and you can work with the person that, that most fits your personal needs. Exactly, exactly. And I, and I think everyone brings something different. So it's about, you know, which person is going to help you bring your potential out the most? Yeah. You know, which person do you trust? Which person can you have that complete openness with? So you can really share all of those things from like deep inside as a foundation for making a decision. I'm going to say clearing out your past. But if you've had, and again, many of us, myself included, have had situations that have knocked us at different points along our careers. And and it could be to do with moving jobs or losing a job. Or if you're thinking from a career perspective, 
and letting it out, actually releasing the emotion connected with that situation is incredibly important. And a part of that is offloading it. It's about talking about it, really getting it out. What pain there was at that time? What happened? What was going on for you? How did you feel afterwards? It's so incredibly important to, to let all that go. If you hold on to emotion, it causes stress within the body. You've got to think about getting it out so you can actually release the stress and feel like And it's from that place that you have a much clearer mind anyway. It's a much more peaceful place than holding on to something from the past that has affected you so badly and potentially created a fear within about what's to come. Give me some examples of that, Catherine. You you must have come across many of those situations dealing with various mentees and obviously keep it impersonal. What sort of things do you find that are, are actually holding people back? Yeah, so I think sometimes people have been in roles a long time. So they've been in roles a long time. They've been very successful in role, but they almost can't see how they can change it. They, they're almost fearful of a new environment, a new role. You know, maybe for some reason they've thought they've achieved what they have achieved where they are just because they've been there and, and they've had the loyalty. And there's a fear around actually trying out a new challenge. You know, am I really good enough to take on that new role in a new organisation? So that's fairly common. I think secondly, you know, some things just don't work out in a role. So whether you've had a new boss come in, new management team, something's changed and it's changed the dynamic. So whether that person has chosen to leave or has in a way been forced to leave through some change that's happened, it's still affected how they look at the future. And again, it knocks people's confidence. And so again, they sort of rush into possibly something new and then recognise in another few months' time that that's not right either. So I would say they're the two main things that I see most often. Yeah, I think it's worth emphasising here that when we're talking about mentoring, this isn't about, oh, there's a load of things wrong. Let's work out what new job you should have. Let's work out how we change where you are now to make it be right. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, this conversation, is, as you say, is not about, in that sense, moving on. For some people, that is the right answer. And it's how they then learn and grow and develop moving forwards. But no, you're absolutely right. Mentoring is very much about recognising where you are now and trying to change and shift your perception of that place as much as thinking potentially about something new, about how you can actually change how you look at the current situation, even change how you approach the situation, how you approach the work, how you approach others to enable some change to happen in that way. I think we all know the grass is not always greener. (laughs) So um, my worry sometimes is that people are reacting quite quickly or sometimes too quickly and they need that support just to reframe where they are now and to look at the opportunities that exist in the current environment. Yeah. And I'd say two things around that moving on. Number one is that you're in a place where you're you're feeling uncomfortable for one reason or another. You're feeling not right about it. And you move on as a a knee-jerk reaction to that. Guess what? You move into another organisation, 18 months 
time you're feeling in the same situation again because you didn't actually address the problem and know what you're moving on again. The other side of that is that you need in the organisation you're in at the moment to maximise the opportunities it's presenting you. And then when it stops maximising those opportunities, but you want to go further, then's the time to move on. The danger, if if you keep moving on every couple of years as a knee-jerk to where you are, is that you will constantly move sideways. You won't move upwards. Yeah, exactly right. And I think and really, there's. I like to encourage people not to focus too much on on an ultimate outcome, and to sort of think to take each day as it comes, really. But to because if we place too much expectation on what the future holds, we can be very, very disappointed. You can't control the future, so you can only control the now. And it's a mindset shift in looking for the opportunities that somewhere presents to you. Yep. And taking it from that place, really. Yes. So thinking about shifting that mindset, Catherine, how do we go about doing that in practice? Yeah, so it's, I mean, for, for a start, I mean, can I, going back to sort of the um, decision point, I encourage making a decision because if we don't make a decision, we're actually choosing to stay where we are. So choosing to stay in that that emotional pain or or choosing from an organisation point of view to stay exactly where you are. You need some kind of decision to move yourself or or the organisation forward. I'm doing a lot of work. If we look at the organisation side of that rather than the personal side, I'm doing a lot of work at the moment around helping CFOs get more involved in the strategy process. I would say if, if you decide to stay where you are, well, in some ways, or you make no decision, you start moving backwards. Yeah. Consciously decide to stay where you are. Well, there are certain things you've got to put in place just to maintain the status quo. Yeah, exactly. You've got to, you've got to make a decision. Yeah. And the thing is, when, when we talk about mindset shift, it's shifting the mindset and thinking. Because I think we know, and I've done earlier podcasts around the, the power of your thought, but if you say to yourself, I can't make a wrong decision or make a mistake, you know, basically every possible pathway ahead is in some way a no-lose situation. You can only gain from what's to come. That is the, the core mindset shift. But we work with many high performance. Yeah, finance professionals are high performers. And naturally, then, many are perfectionists. So, you know, I mean, I've done it myself. You know, that sort of, you know, that internal need, you think I really must make the right decision, you know, almost like the perfect decision. Look, Catherine, I think some of that is down to us being accountants. Now, accountancy brings you a lot of black and whites. It brings you the need to conform to accounting standards, tax rules, all sorts of things like that. And you need to get down into the detail and get everything right. I think that attracts a certain type of individual and reinforces a particular mindset in those individuals. So the fact we're dealing with finance people here, I think many high performers are perfectionists. I'd say just about all finance people are perfectionists. Yeah, I must admit, I think many people put themselves in that sort of, (laughs) I don't necessarily agree in labelling, but many people do say they are. And um, yeah, but, you know, I, I think all of us have got to get more into that growth mindset. You know, we, we learn from our experiences. 
and we grow from our mistakes. Now, I'm not suggesting in any which way we should make mistakes financially, obviously. (laughs) Um, I'm just saying that mindset makes us very fearful of change sometimes. It makes us fearful of attempting a new challenge even, putting ourselves out there. So it's just really thinking about those opportunities to learn and grow and remembering, of course, that at a senior level, which is, you know, mostly where we're working, your doing aspect of the role becomes less and less, ideally. You're becoming a leader of the organisation, not just a finance leader. And that's where you've got to start shifting that mindset because you're going to be making very, be part of making very big decisions for the organisation as, as well along that way. And, yeah, Catherine, we're coming back to the, the business decision again and the strategy piece, there's a key point in our strategy methodology that I'm calling stop, start, continue. And really all its strategy is, whether it's your own personal strategy for what you want to do, or it's the strategy for the business going forward, it's those three things. What are you going to stop doing? What are you going to start doing? What are you going to continue to do? Yeah. And and I would just refine or reframe that second one is what do you want? Yes. You know, what do you want? Or or you could say, what does the organisation want? But it's being very, very focused on exactly what it is you want. Because that if you put your attention there, that, that's where the energy flows. There's a lovely saying, where attention goes, energy flows. But you can only find that point of clarity when you know exactly what you want. Yeah. But I, I think that stop list is really important, Catherine. What, why I brought it up, you know, as you just mentioned, you're moving on to be a leader of the organisation. You're moving on to be part of the decision process. Now, that means that to, to make room to do that, you have to stop doing things and possibly what gets in the way of a lot of us is we continue to do things that we should have stopped doing we should have delegated to others we should have a number two behind us doing them that i think can be a big problem so this is as it's as much about thinking about what i don't want what have i got to get rid of as what i do want Yes, although I very much encourage focusing on what you do want. But I also support stopping certain things because if you overwhelm yourself with things that don't have or provide as much value to the organisation or to yourself, you will never be able to think clearly anyway, which comes back round to the point of if you're making a decision, you want to be in the clearest headspace that you can be in. So by stopping things, you are freeing up uh, your time and your headspace to think more strategically, as you said, for yourself or or for the organisation. So every path is an opportunity to learn, grow, find out more about who you are and who you'd like to be, correct? Correct. When you think about if you're sat there at a point in time with, you know, with just not feeling good, things are out of alignment, it's not feeling good. Rather than thinking one path's right, one path's wrong, each choice effectively just provides a different experience. Yeah. I know there's a book that you love, Catherine, Susan Jeffers, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Tell me a bit more yeah. about that. Yeah, that, that was a book that for me was actually, a, it came at a really you know powerful turning point in my own life. You know, I'd left my role as CFO. I was sort of out there in the world, not knowing honestly what I wanted to do next. Um, it just wasn't, I didn't know which way to turn. And that book came along at that point, which is why I think it resonates so much. But one of the phrases in it is, it's all an adventure, no matter which way I turn. And that sort of sums it up, really. It is an adventure. And I think even for my own journey, then, at that point, I turned to people I trusted, people who would support me, people who would uplift me. That was crucial at that point. People who just got it. You know, I had some people saying, go back into a full-time role. 
there weren't many people at that time giving me the space to really think about what would work for me. Yes. And I think that was critical. So there was a lot of talking, there was a lot of offloading, all of those things I was talking about. But then there was a real focus into what I wanted. But yes. it wasn't actually even so much, yes, I wanted to mentor, yes, I wanted to work with people and help them. So that was clear. But it was actually more about how I wanted to feel. And that's what I also focused on. How did I want to feel in this new life, in this new world that I was creating for myself? And I have to say, it was a turning point because I let go of of any outcome and whether people go, get this or not but I, I literally just trusted that what came next would be the right thing and cutting a slightly long story shorter I mean that's how I connected with Grow CFO and with Dan and yourself at the time because I was out there completely open to what was coming I defined exactly in my own mind what I wanted and then the opportunity appeared and I found that time and time again now that in that mindset, the right things emerge or you learn the right things or you get opportunities to do certain things. Whether, as I say, I mean, you can apply this to within an organisation or in moving on, both apply, but you can try things out. Yes. And learn. And, and you know something, if something doesn't work out, you could actually move on again. It's really nothing is is stuck. Yeah. I think we've talked about what you want. And I would encourage people to say, well, okay, have you, do you know where you want to be in three years' time? I, I think you've got to sit down and do that. And actually in the, the future CFO program in module three, when we're talking about fast tracking a development plan, one of the things I get people to do is, is what I call the departure lounge exercise. It's three years from now, you're sitting in an airport lounge, you're going somewhere special to celebrate something. Where are you going? What's this all about? But you've, you've met somebody in the departure lounge. And you haven't seen them for a while. They're a fairly good friend and you're, you're relating to them where you've got to. And it, it is all about how do you feel? What's going right? What's your personal life like? What's your career life like? Tell them about where you're off to. Is this a special occasion? Are you going to, to be a keynote speaker somewhere? Are you going off to sell to, as part of a, a big deal for the business? Are you going going somewhere because you're you're about to make the signature, put the signature, the piece of paper on that big exit plan, or you've just completed a major fundraise, or whatever it might be? But flipping around to put your mind in the right place and things happen. I would never suggest to anybody that they should plan in detail for more than the next ninety or hundred days because you do put your mind into that place opportunities tend to come along and opportunities that you never imagined. So yeah, you can stay, say today, well, what am I going to do in the next the next three months? But things are going to happen in that three months if your mind's in the right place that you haven't even thought about. Therefore, you can't plan the three months beyond it. I've seen that all the way through developing Grow CFO. Now, relationships come along that we'd never thought about. Oh. And suddenly something that's come out of that relationship or partnership becomes the focus of the next quarter's business development activity. Yeah, that's it. And you know something, I love living life like that now. I, I know you do as well, but it's it's very, it's actually easy to be in that mindset once you recognise it and trust that it does move in that way. Yeah. And it, it's so I mean, different, Catherine, to where I started my career. And mm -hmm. to qualify as an accountant, I moved and into industry and joined ICI. Now, ICI at the time was probably one of the, the biggest companies in the world. And most people that joined ICI 
in their 20s, ended up retiring from ICI in their 60s with a 40-year career. And uh, it would be pretty clearly plotted out for you and you'd move from role to role. And now thinking about, well, I'm not not focusing on anything more than the next three months and just about anything can happen. It's just so, so far apart from that original place that I started in. And it's refreshing. And I, and I think, you know, there's another example of, of a client or clients, actually, where some of these feelings come up. So, you know, do they stay? Do they move on? But, you know, there's other options as well. And I think this is the point. Sometimes you just need something different in life, something to add to the mix. And this is why I don't like knee-jerk reactions to things and why it's important to talk and to share and to think about the, the widest possible options in some ways, because there are other things you can do to, to create different excitement or challenges. You know, it could be joining a charity board. It could be doing some non-executive work on, on the side. It could be just helping out something in your local community. If we get too narrow focus, we just can't look at everything that's available to us. Yes. And I think this is what's important. It's looking at what brings you joy. Mm, That's the path I follow now. It's like, what brings me joy? Does doing this make me happy? You know, am I passionate about it? Therefore, you know, is this a really good, valuable use of my time? And is that value recognised as well? So in a way, it comes down to that simplicity. So. You've given me a list of bullet points before we started recording this. I'm just just reading through that now. And we've got a list of before I make a decision. Calm mind equals an open mind. What do you want out of life? What brings you joy? Goals change as you go through life. So keep reassessing them. But the one that I really like, and I think we've mentioned a few times again, I can't lose regardless of the outcome of the decision I make. That's something that I think is really key to remember. Yeah. You know, it's the recognising the experiences you will gain from a particular decision that's made and what you will learn from it. Learn about the alternatives available. Do your due diligence. Treat it like an investment for yourself. I like that. Mm. Due diligence. I mean, I appreciate that's more to do with if you end up, you know, as a person, you know, looking for something new, maybe the next role that takes you to another stage or to another level. But the the reason I'm saying it, do it from a calm mind is and know what you want. It's about thinking about what, what must I have? Yes. And what are the nice to haves? You know, some people talk to me and they say, you know, for example, My family is really important to me, which I hope, (laughs) I hope that is the case. And therefore, I want the right work-life balance. That is non-negotiable then. And and I think it's working out what is non-negotiable for you. Because remember, we're thinking about your own personal energy here in, in terms of the value that you bring. So if you end up making a decision too quickly without thinking very clearly about your non-negotiables, you'll end up in a, in a place, whether that's in the current place that you've redefined or somewhere new, and things will start going wrong again. Yeah. Because you haven't set your boundaries. You haven't worked out how you can show up at your best. Yeah. But I'd also cancel there, Catherine. Don't spend too long doing that analysis and due diligence because we've got to make a decision. And you can, you can go on and analyze and think forever and forever. Yeah, no, you can overthink. Make that decision. And just simply because the minds that we have 
as finance people, we have most of us have very analytical mindsets. Yeah, I think we're not doing it, the analysis bit for the sake of the analysis. I think it's just know, know your worth and know your value. And when I say do, do your due diligence, make sure something is right for you. Ask questions. Phil, Phil is an equal in that discussion that you're having about something, about something you're going to change uh, or do. And ask enough questions just so you have the facts to hand. Yeah. After you've made the decision, Catherine, what should we be making? Is there anything extra we need to think about after we've made that decision that we haven't already discussed? I think just, you know, have an open mind. Once you've made that decision, commit to it, you know. Really commit to it. Give it your all. As I say, it could just be in a reframing of where you are currently. It can be a change of mindset where you are, looking at the opportunities that somewhere present, basically. But yeah, just fully commit to it and know that if something changes again, it changes and you can change again. You can change what you decide at that point. But just take responsibility for the decision that you make. And we've all made decisions in life that may have gone right or wrong. And even the ones that have gone wrong, we learn from. Yes. So, you know, once you accept responsibility for the decision, you don't blame anyone else. There's no point in blaming anyone else. You don't have, yeah, you can just happily go with it, really, and just know that you'll learn from the experience, whatever it presents. And as I say, there's there's no wrong decision. It's just knowing when to correct it at a future point in time. Yeah. So I think one one thing to remember is that 90% of what we worry about never happens. Yeah. Take away what if future anxiety, because that's where the brain goes. The brain will automatically start thinking about all of the things that can go wrong. You'll lie in bed early in the morning, awake when you should be asleep, thinking through those horrible, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with that? You've really got to change that mindset into an I can handle it. Yeah, you can. And and when you think back over your own lives, I mean, we can all look back over our lives and recognise what we have dealt with at points in time. You know, losses, whether it's losses of jobs, losses of loved ones, situations changing you know all of that pain and things and and do you know something it may be really really difficult at the time but we somehow somehow managed to get through these things and that just makes us stronger and stronger so we can handle things that come our way as long as as I say you know you take that time you need as well and the support you need things have resonated with quite a few of our listeners so just in, in finishing this off can we give those those people that this is resonating with some practical exercises to do right now? I mean, these are a few that I sort of recommend, but I think one is we want confidence and self-belief to be the foundation for any decision. So write down all of your successes and achievements so far in life as a foundation for that confidence. Really just recognize what you've done and how you've done it. So just write the longest list you can. So in any moments of self-doubt or fear, you can go back to that list and think, God, look at what I've achieved. Look what I've achieved. So that's the first one. I think the second one is writing down what is important to you. So what you must have, what, what are non, what's non-negotiable for where you are in life. And then what, what are nice to have, but to make sure that where you are or the decision you're making is the right one for you at that point. And then if you're thinking about different pathways or different options, just write down all the positive things that can happen from each option. So, you know, that can be staying, moving, 
you know, creating some kind of mix. <laughs> um, but what are all the positive things that can happen from each of those? It can because be trying something. It can be changing your approach to something. Yeah, exactly. Um, recruiting somebody to delegate a whole load of stuff to. Exactly. It can be all sorts of things. Yeah, and yeah, all of those. So just you know, keep writing it all down and and having a very clear frame of mind as to what each option gives you, because you may be surprised. I think that's what I'm saying. You may well be surprised if you allow yourself to think in that way. I'd emphasise once again something we mentioned earlier, Catherine. This is about getting the most out of where you are now, not necessarily about should I move on. Yeah, exactly. It's fully exploring where you are now before you react to changing um, when you don't have to, for example. So, As Just briefly, I know we've been talking for quite a while, but we are talking about staying where we are. One of the things that sometimes makes it difficult for us is other people. And we might be thinking, well, okay, the problem, the problem here is that I'm under real pressure from the head of marketing or the head of operations or whatever. There's a, there's a conflict there. Now, that's what's got to change. It's not me that's got to change. It's somebody else. This is going to be difficult. And that, that sometimes is where the, I've got to move on comes from because of, of those personal relationships. What sort of things should we be doing about that aspect of it, Catherine? Well, I, I just want to say, firstly, we can't change other people. So take away that expectation. <laughs> we can only change ourselves. That's what we have control over, changing ourselves and how we approach other people. So my recommendation in that case is change what you do, vary your approach and see what change is. But until okay. you've done that, you can't make that decision. Mm. Yes. Obviously, if you change, you know, if you change yourself, you change your approach, you vary your approach and still nothing changes, then I think, you know, fair enough. You could look at it and think, okay, that's just not working for me, but at least try that first. And that takes us right back into everything we spoke about in the previous podcast with Susanna about personal awareness and remembering that it's all about how other people perceive us. Can we change that perception that other people have of us? Is sometimes one of the key questions we've got to ask in this sort of exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So, Catherine, that has been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, go do those three exercises that Catherine mentioned. Write down your success and your achievements to get to where you've been, you are now. Write down your must-haves and your nice-to-haves. Think about those choices you've got in front of you. Write them down and think about the positive things about each. And I think emphasize on that when you're looking at each of those, do your due diligence. Think about think about everything that's in there. So we've talked a lot about mentoring during this, Catherine. If people want to find out more about mentoring or working with you, how do they go about that? Yeah, no, yeah, please do. I mean, we have um, a mentoring page on, on the Grow CFO website. So you'll see well, myself and the other mentors on there. So that gives you a bit of a, a sort of intro to, to the mentoring process and to us. But then there's always a complimentary chemistry call where you can get to know us as people and see if we're the best person to support you in, in your own journey. Yeah. If people go, go down and, and ask for that support for their journey, how does it work, Catherine? 
Yeah, so I mean, typically we work either on on a six or a twelve month sort of mentoring journey, but it's very personalised. It's very adaptable and personalised to the person and what they're trying to achieve, where they're at, their own goals. And as I say, each mentor is different. Each mentor brings something different. We've all had, you know, over ten years of of experience as a CFO at board level, so that's like the baseline. But beyond that, we all bring our own personality, our approach, our sort of style. And it's whatever relationship works best for you, which one you feel very comfortable, it feels open, trusting. As I say in this, as I said in this podcast, you, you end up quite often sharing some quite deep inner thoughts. So you've got to feel comfortable with the person that you're able to do that. And that that I think is what helps sort of you know, transform your own experience in life and and that journey. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, you know, maybe just to sort of round off what we're saying here, but I do have a strong belief in how your thoughts impact how you behave and, and how you can bring that value. And I think you can choose how you feel. So you can choose to feel good in situations that may be challenging and you can choose your own experience. So, you know, there's always opportunity ahead and there's always growth opportunities ahead. So it's about choosing the path that that contributes most to your growth, but also makes you feel most at peace with yourself. Absolutely. Catherine, thank you hugely for joining me on today's Grow CFO show. And there's going to be a link to mentoring to the books that we've mentioned and so on and so forth in the show notes. So if you want to explore anything further, just go across the show notes or to the list. If you're listening to this on Apple or Google or Spotify or so on, go to the show notes on that platform and you'll find all the links to the resources we've talked about. Catherine, once again, thank you very much for being this week's guest on the Grow CFO Show. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. 